Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat upon the house and it, it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell. And great was it was the fall of it. Good morning and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We're very thankful for the opportunity to be together today to worship God. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're going to be looking today at the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew. We're going to be asking the question, what kind of home are you building? We're going to be looking specifically at verses 24 through 27 in just a moment. We appreciate Raymond leading us in our song service today. We're grateful for the opportunity, as I said a moment ago, to be together. It is our prayer that our time spent together will be profitable and that we might Offer God the worship that is due Him. <clears throat> Somebody has, has observed in days gone by, as the home goes, so goes the nation. And if that be the case, and I believe it is, the conclusion would be our nation is troubled indeed. Because the home is troubled. There are many of us that when we survey this great country, we see that there are many homes facing dire problems. And so I think it's only right for us to ask the question, what kind of home are you building? Because truly, as the home goes, so goes the nation. And there are really two possibilities. First of all, we could strive to build a Christian home. Or secondly, we could have a crumbling home. I want us to think for a moment, first of all, about what it means to have a Christian home. I would submit unto you that a Christian home is a sturdy home. And there are many reasons for that, but ultimately, if you wanted to just boil it all down and make one statement, it would be this. A Christian home has been correctly built. And that's really the sum of it all. A Christian home has been correctly built. It was the psalmist who said in the long ago, except the Lord build the house, those who build it labor in vain, in Psalm 127 at verse 1. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. How can you and I build a Christian home? What are the ingredients that lead to the kind of home that God would be pleased with? I said a moment ago that a Christian home has been correctly built. And first and foremost, we think about the apex of the home. Granted, the Lord is the foundation of the home. The psalmist again said, except the Lord built the house, those who labor, labor in vain. What we want to do is strive to the best of our ability to found our homes on the Lord. But we also have to understand that we have to have the right apex. I think about the importance of a good roof. If you do not have a good roof on your house, then ultimately you're going to be exposed to inclement weather and a lot of other problems. When we talk about God being at the apex of our home, What we're saying is that God is over our home. That He is in complete control. And there are some reasons for that. Number one, those who have God at the apex of their home have the right pattern for their home. The pattern that I'm talking about is called the Bible. The Word of God. Listen again to what Jesus said, Therefore, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, him will I liken unto a wise man. A wise person hears what God in His Word has revealed and does them. Those of us who want to have a successful home, in other words, we want to have the kind of home that the Lord would be pleased with, we're going to put into practice His Word. We understand that this is the rule or the standard that should govern our home life. Paul said, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in Colossians 3 at verse 16. It was the Apostle Paul who said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 that all Scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. God's Word is profitable only if we use it. It has to be implemented into our home life if we're going to be successful. And then I think about what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 34, verse 16, when he said, Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. Those of us who have God at the apex of our home, we understand that this book that we call the Bible is the pattern. This is the book that governs our home life. It's not what television says. It's not what the latest magazine on the rack says. But rather, it's what God says. But then also I would suggest that a home that has been correctly built, that has the right apex is also a purposeful home we talk about the pattern for the home but what about the purpose for the home 
Look at how many families today in our society, in our country, are floundering. Look at all of the problems that exist within the framework of the American family. I would submit unto you that one of the problems is there are a lot of people in our society today that do not understand the purpose of life itself. You think about that for a minute. Look at how many homes today are focusing on any and everything, but they exclude the most important thing. What is that most important thing? It's God. Look at Solomon. You know, we talk about people learning from history. Someone has said, if there is anything that we have ever learned from history, it is that we have not learned from history. And so you go back and look at Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man of his day. He enjoyed tremendous wealth. He was a very famous man, a powerful man. He had everything that the human heart, physically and materially speaking, could want. But his conclusion was the most important thing to life is not what a man wears on his back. It's not where he lives. It's not what brings him physical gratification. It's God. He said, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. The whole existence of man is to fear God, to ultimately bring Him honor and glory. Isaiah talks about, in Isaiah chapter 43, how we have been created to bring God glory. There are a lot of homes today that lack purpose. And we see homes today floundering and faltering because, number one, they lack the right pattern. Number two, they lack purpose. But when we talk about a home that has been built correctly, it has the right pattern. It is a purposeful home. And also it is a prayerful home. How important is prayer in your home? Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint in Luke 18 at verse 1. Paul said that we are to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And then also he writes in Colossians 4 verse 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving. Think about how important prayer was to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We are to pattern ourselves after His life. Peter said that we are to follow in His steps. You want to have a good home life? Then pray. Those of us who appreciate the privilege and the power of prayer ought to be praying as a family. We ought to be on bended knees praying to Jehovah God regularly. I think about homes that stay together, they pray together. And we need to be a praying group of people. Again, we think about the plight of our nation and the foundations that are crumbling around us. Well, what we want to do is build our homes correctly. We want to have God at the apex of our home. If He is at the apex of our home, we'll have the right pattern. We'll have the right purpose. We'll also be prayerful. But finally, we'll offer Him praise. Christian homes, 
they understand the importance of worshiping God regularly. Look back and reflect upon what the psalmist said in Psalm 95 at verse 6. When he said, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Jesus said, God is spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Far too many homes today suffer because they neglect worship. Worship is vitally important to our spiritual well-being and welfare. It affords us the opportunity to bow in the presence of God, to give Him the homage and the, gl and the glory that He is rightfully due. But one of the byproducts of worship is edification, the building up of one another. That's what the Hebrew writer talks about in Hebrews 10 at verse 25. We've talked about the apex of the home, but what about the arrangement of the home? There are really two factors here when we talk about the arrangement of the home. First of all, we stress the orderliness of the home. Every home has to have order. God is a being of order. I think about in the New Testament church and in New Testament worship. Paul said, let all things be done decently and in order. When we talk about the Christian home, a lot of homes today are in a state of disorder. Well, what we want to have is a state of order. When you talk about the arrangement for the home, first of all, we have to appreciate the fact that God has designated the husband to be the head of the wife, not a dictator. He's not to rule or to reign as a tyrant, but he is to be a spiritual leader in the home. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11 at verse 3, he said, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. In Ephesians 5, 22 and 23, Paul stresses the importance of wives being in subjection unto their husbands as unto the Lord. He goes on to say, as the husband is the head of the wife, Christ also is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Well, the husband is to be the head, the spiritual leader in the home. Now, that doesn't mean that, as I said a moment ago, he's to be a dictator. But the husband and the wife, they complement one another. They work in a cooperative manner with one another. There is a system of love and support that undergirds that relationship. And if the husband is doing what God has set forth for him to do in his role, then the wife will be more likely to fulfill her role in the home. There has to be orderliness and there also has to be obedience in the home. One of the things that I think our country is sadly lacking in is obedience in the home. You just look at some of the look at some of the children in our schools across this country today. And look at the problems that school administrators are having and teachers are having. Why is that such a problem? Why is it that that kids today are out of control. They're unruly. They talk back to their teachers and to their administrators. Why is it that there is no fear in their eyes when authoritative forces speak? Let me tell you why. It is because the mama and the daddy has not implemented 
a code of discipline in the home. What is it Solomon said? Spare the rod, spoil the child. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It is right for children to obey their parents in the Lord. And then he talks about honoring our father and our mother. What about having the right kind of respect? Sometimes I hear children talk back to their parents. I hear them, I hear or read about them saying ugly remarks or just letting them have it. And I wonder who's in control? It's really a case of the tail wagging the dog. What we need today are parents who will, who will enforce a code of discipline in the home. The Bible talks about how the Lord loves those whom He chastens. If we love our children, we will discipline them. There are a lot of parents today, they have the idea that if they spank their children, they're going to turn on them. Listen, if you don't spank your children, you're going to have terrible problems. And let me just make this observation. If children do not learn to respect authority in the home, they will never respect authority in school, on the job, in life, toward the government, or anything else. As a matter of fact, they're not even going to respect the authority of Scripture. And so... Orderliness and obedience. A third component of a Christian home. There has to be affection. Genuine affection. There is the charge to love. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.25 that the husband is to love the wife even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And then also Paul said in Titus chapter 2 verses 4 and 5, that the older women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be keepers at home. There is this relationship that exists within the framework of the home in which the husband and the wife mutually love one another. It is this agape, sacrificial love. It takes both individuals, the husband and the wife, giving 100% each and every day. Those of us who are husbands, if we love as Christ loved the church, as I said a moment ago, then our wives will be more likely to follow our lead. And then the characteristics of love over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where Paul talks about how love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, doesn't take account of evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love never fails. Important ingredients in the Christian home. And then finally, the advantageous home. A home that is built for success. A home that is built correctly. Is built correctly because those members in that home setting have implemented God's holy word. Listen again to what Jesus said. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, 
I will liken him to a wise man that built his house on the rock. He said, The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell not because it was founded on the rock. Are troubles and trials going to come in our home lives? Absolutely. Are we going to be perfect at all times? No. But we're going to withstand the difficulties and the trials and the pressures of life. Why? Because we built on the right foundation. Now, secondly, what about the crumbling home? When we talk about a crumbling home, we're talking about a home that is literally sinking. Look out in California at some of the homes that have literally just given way and crumbled and fallen. I think about crumbling homes, sinking homes, and there is a reason for that. The reason is they have been built incorrectly. That doesn't take rocket science to understand this. Either our homes are built correctly or they are built incorrectly. They are either built on the right foundation or they are built on the wrong foundation. Let's just talk for a moment about what Jesus said. Look at verse, well, look at verse 26. Jesus said, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he said, him will I liken unto a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. What about a crumbling home? Let me give you a couple of reasons why some homes today are crumbling, faltering, failing. Number one, because there is chaos in the home. Now, there are some homes that when you look at them, you just admire them. When you see the, the husband, the wife, the mama, the daddy, the children, it just, it's just a perfect fit. Everything is working in harmony. It's like, it's like a fine running engine. But then there are some homes that are literally filled with chaos. When you look at those homes, everything is out of sync. Nothing is running smoothly. There are reasons for that. What are those reasons? Number one, a chaotic home lacks leadership. Every organization has to have leadership. Think about the church for a moment. What if the church lacked leadership? Look at the church here. Where would we be without leadership? God in His infinite wisdom said that from a universal vantage point, Christ would serve as the head of the church. Now Paul said, just as Christ is the head of the church, the husband is the head of the home. Now, if there is not leadership in the home, there's going to be disarray. There are some organizations, there are corporations across this country, they are floundering, they are failing, they are going into bankruptcy because they lack leadership. There are a lot of incompetent people serving as leaders. By the same token, there are some individuals who are husbands in the home that are not fulfilling their responsibility, their duty. They have abdicated their leadership position. Whenever there is not leadership in the home, chaos will ensue. You can just mark it down. I think about what Paul said in Ephesians 6 verse 4. 
And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That to me says that a father is to be a spiritual leader in the home. Look at some of the children today and the problems that, that youth are experiencing today. One of those problems is they lack a godly father. They lack a godly father setting forth the right example and they, let, they lack a godly father setting forth the right instruction in the home. We wonder why this nation, this country is floundering. We wonder about the moral ills of our society. I can tell you why our country is in sad shape. It is because many of us as fathers have abdicated our responsibility. We talk about deadbeat dads. Let me tell you what, we've got a lot of deadbeat dads in our country. They are worthless. And the reason they are worthless is because they're not fulfilling their God-given responsibility. Now sometimes we're, sometimes we're hard on the mother, but let me tell you what, we need to be hard on some daddies. We need to be hard on some fathers because they're not fulfilling their responsibility in the home. And let me tell you this, God will hold us accountable for that. Secondly, there is a lack of learning in the home. We talk about biblical aptitude. We want our children to go to the right school and learn and grow intellectually. We want, to see them, we want to see them excel in the classroom. There's nothing wrong with that. All of us want that as parents. We're proud of our children when, we, when they do that. We want to see them excel in sports. And we, we immerse them in any number of, of sports and physical activities. And then we fail them when we when we rob them of teaching God's holy word on a regular basis. Read back in Hosea chapter 4, where Hosea indicted the children of God because he said there's no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. If you were to poll the average child in our, in our country today about fundamentals of divine truth, they would have no idea what you're talking about. None. There was a day and time in this country when the Bible was allowed in the classroom. When parents used the Bible to teach their children how to behave, how to live, how to act as morally decent human beings. We used the Bible to teach character and integrity. We wonder today why young people are stealing and killing why they're abusive toward one another, why they use profane language, why they act like a bunch of heathens. Let me tell you why. It's because we as parents have not taught them God's holy word. We're paying a terrible price for that today. Hosea said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's why our nation is being destroyed today. A lack of knowledge, a knowledge of Almighty God. Secondly, if a home has been built incorrectly, there'll be chaos and there'll be corruption. You want to pollute your home, then just add these vices. Number one, apathy. Apathy and indifference robs the church. The church is comprised of people. 
When we as members of the body of Christ are apathetic and lukewarm in our Christianity, what are we saying to our children? We're saying we're headed for trouble. You look at the number of homes today. Let me tell you what, we have Christian homes today that are apathetic in their responsibilities. Not just toward the church, but in the home. When we become apathetic and indifferent, spiritually speaking, we are inviting the devil into our homes. Here's what Paul said, neither give place to the devil. In Ephesians 4 verse 27, and yet we open the door wide when we turn a deaf ear to what God in His Word has said. Apathy. Jesus said no man can serve two masters, and yet many homes are trying to serve not just one or two, not just two masters, but multiple masters. Jesus said you need to make a choice. If you are apathetic in your spiritual life, here are some things that are going to follow. Potentially. Adultery. Look at how many homes today have been torn asunder because of adultery. We've got people today that are not just adulterers, they are serial adulterers. And by that I mean they are engaging in numerous adulterous relationships. Why is that? Well, because there's chaos in the home, and chaos leads to corruption. And corruption is a result of apathy, adultery, and then also alcohol. Let me tell you what, anytime you bring an open container of alcohol into your home, you are inviting trouble into your home. I can't make it any plainer than that. The Bible says... Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whoever is deceived thereby, listen to him, is not wise. I hear people trying to rationalize the consumption of alcoholic beverages. They'll look at John chapter 2, and, and they'll want to say that Jesus turned water to wine. Do you really think that Jesus would have turned water into some kind of alcoholic beverage and then allowed those guests to become intoxicated? based on what the New Testament and what the Old Testament teaches. Let me tell you what. It's not there. There is no rationalization for the consumption of alcohol. If you bring alcohol into your marriage, into your home life, you're inviting trouble into your home. And I would add, not just alcohol, but any kind of chemical substance. And then finally, avarice. And by that I mean greed. Greed is at the core of the rottenness of our society today. Jesus said, take heed and beware. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Let me just add to this, gambling. I've heard all of the arguments, and I know what people think about playing the lottery and, and going to casinos and all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you what. Anytime you bring gambling and greed into your home, you're headed for trouble. Just mark it down. Look at all of the marriages that have failed because of compulsive gambling. You'll never have a problem with something you don't try. You get involved in gambling, you start going to, to the casinos, and before you know it, you're hooked. The Bible talks about good stewardship. Gambling is not good stewardship. Gambling 
is not practicing the golden rule based on Matthew 7, verse 12. Now, there are some that want to legitimize gambling and they want to talk about how it's acceptable and okay. Let me tell you what, Jesus said, beware of false prophets. If somebody tells you gambling is, is acceptable in the eyes of Almighty God, here's what I would tell you, they're a false teacher. Thirdly, and finally, the collapse of the home. If you want to make sure that your home is run right, follow the Word of God. If you want to see your home collapse, just ignore what God in His Word has said. Listen again to what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 7. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And great, Jesus said, was its fall. Two choices. A Christian home or a crumbling home. What about you today? What's the state of your home? I want to close by citing an Old Testament example. In the book of 2 Kings, we read about Hezekiah, who was one of the good kings of Israel. And some people from Babylon had come, and the Bible tells us that when they came to meet with him, that he showed them all of the treasures of his home. And so Isaiah the prophet went to Hezekiah, and he asked him, he asked this question, what did they see in your house? And Hezekiah responded by saying, all that was in my house, I showed them. When people look into your home, what do they see? They either see a Christian home, or they see a crumbling home. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, could I encourage you to come to Christ, believing that He is the Son of God, repent of every sin, confess His name before others, be baptized into Christ, so that you can enjoy the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2, verse 38. Maybe you're here today, you're not faithful to the cause of Christ. Could we pray with you and for you, and God will abundantly pardon. Would you come as we stand and sing?